Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Kristen Swinehart with us today, who's a recovering attorney, attorney and now represents people in a new way as a spiritual advisor and medium. She represents loved ones after they have passed away and brings their spirit messages to those in the living. She's grateful to have this gift and offers private readings and group wine and spirits mediumship evenings. Kristen is also a certified integrative health coach and spent many years learning about wellness, relationships, and personal development to understand the role they play in our everyday lives. What differentiates her from other mediums is her ability to support her clients with the implementation of the information they receive from the readings to help them improve all areas of their lives. While trying to comprehend what motivates some to move forward while others stay where they are comfortable, Kristen has challenged herself to enjoy being uncomfortable in many areas of her life, from managing comedians and being first runner-up at the Miss Ohio America pageant, to completing a full marathon having never run a mile before training. She loves to inspire and show others anything is possible. It just takes desire, belief, and action. Kristen became interested in personal development when she realized law was not for her and thought there has to be more to life than this. Little did she know that, more, that the more she would discover was a gift for talking to dead people and a passion for transforming the lives of their loved ones. Loved ones. Kristen, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I got to ask, I ran a half marathon once with only having ever run three miles once before that. And I ran the damn thing and I was sore for probably about six weeks after work. So what did you feel like post-marathon? Um, first of all, I will say that the first thing was like just incredible awe. Like I was in awe that I could actually even do that physically and mentally. So there was that piece of it. But then certainly the physical part, I remember just like shortly after trying to even walk like people were like oh the steps are going to be brutal and I remember every step I was like oh this is insane I can't believe but I actually don't remember how long it took me to recover because um, I actually ran the marathon in Hawaii and I had just packed a whole bunch of adventure beyond after the marathon so there was no time to be like laying around I had like bike trips to do and snorkeling adventures so um, I got guess I got over it pretty quickly what what prompted you to do that because I think oh, for a lot of people, that's like one of their big, maybe a big life goal and to just do it spontaneously when oftentimes it'll, it'll be prescribed 12, 14, 16, 18 weeks of prep work for it. What, what inspired you to do that? So, well, I did do the 16 weeks of training beforehand. It wasn't like I just up and ran. Um, but what, what happened uh, was actually that I was competing for the Miss Ohio program and through that program, you support a nonprofit. And so I actually had lost my dad to heart disease and stroke-related issues. So um, I always worked with the American Stroke and American Heart Association to raise awareness, and they happened to have this benefit where I saw if you raised $5,000, you could be in their trained in stroke program and then go run this uh, full marathon. And I thought, you know what, like my dad always taught me to just, you know, really go after things and don't let, you know, something from the past stop me from moving forward. So I just signed up in honor of, of him Mm. and um, started to join the 16-week training program. And I lived in Ohio at the time, so in it, training was started in winter. So oh, running wow. in snow and ice and all kinds of things. And then, and then I traveled to Hawaii, and it's in June. And I was like, oh, my God, nobody told me it was going to be 1,000 degrees in the lava fields. So uh, wow. 
it was intense, but um, it was truly the spirit of my father that helped help keep me going. You know, I, I just remembered in some of his last days how how challenging it was for him to walk. And um, here I had the gift of being able to run. So that kept me motivated, even in like the most challenging of times. Did you feel a closeness to your dad while you were running? Oh, so many times I would have mm. chill bumps all over, you know, and uh, I think probably one of the most memorable stories out of all of those training runs was the first time I was going to run 10 miles consistently. And so where I was training, it was like a park and I would run out and run back. And then the last mile was this loop around a pond right where my car was parked. And I was like, there's no chance I can run this marathon, you know, and or, I mean, run this last mile. Like I sh could just walk over to my car, call it a day. And that was good enough. But I could just got that vision of my father, you know, in those last moments of like how hard it was for him to walk around in our house. And I thought, okay, come on, a mile. Like if you've come this far, you can do a mile for so many people who can't. And so um, I pushed myself to complete it. And then it was like so amazing to be like, finally, I did 10 miles. Like that in and of itself would have been enough of, a, of an accomplishment. But yeah, so I know his support has been there the entire time. Do you feel, I'm, I'm curious, is there any way, did you, do you feel that that was like a, a early maybe indication or the universe winking at you and, and what the future might hold for you and, and taking the turn that your life has had? I, I guess like in a little bit now, if I look back, right, and how it's so much easier to see things when things have developed and then, you know, looking back, but certainly that I felt that I had a connection and um, one way I sometimes really feel on track is like getting chills all over. Um, and I did feel like there was guidance the whole time. And so now that I think back about it, like I was more in tune to it because I still wanted to be able to connect with my dad in whatever sense that that looked like. And so um, I do believe that through physical, act, like physical activity for me is one way that I get more connected because it just allows me to get into a different type of zone. So um, I do think that that was one of the signs now. I hadn't actually thought about that until literally this moment. So thanks for bringing my awareness to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just fascinating hearing the story because it feels like you and I were talking a little bit beforehand too about how I think oftentimes we have these, these, these whispers throughout our life, whether it's God, universe, spirit, whatever we believe. And, and it seems that, that our life is often defined by, do we follow them or do we not? And it seems too that some of the times the most incredible events of our life are often, if we, if we look beneath the surface, they are in some way, shape or form very much guided. And it's just, we, in the midst of doing, we don't stop to really embrace and appreciate and recognize what's going on. But then it's only when we have a little bit of hindsight and life's unfolded a little bit more, we can look back and say, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, what, was there something going on there all along? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, 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 when, that was when I was 21, right? When I was 21, never in a million years would you ever, like, could somebody say, like, maybe this is setting you up to be a medium? I would be like, you are out of your mind. I don't even know what a medium is. <laughs> mm. So talk to us about that progression, Kristen, because you, I think that, you know, if people are sitting here listening, watching, and they're looking at, okay, how do you go from being an attorney to a medium? Like, those seem like they're kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. So where does that where does that leap come from? 
Yeah, there are days. I mean, but I'm certainly <laughs> going, how do you go from being an attorney to a medium? Like, what the heck? So uh, if, if somebody was not asking that right now, I'd be surprised because I asked myself the same thing. Um, you know, I guess a lot of it is that when I went to law school, I went with the intention of wanting to help people. Um, mm. I, both my parents were lawyers and I watched them both help a lot of people. And so growing up, that's how I guess I thought that that's how you help people is by being an attorney. So um, I went to law school and when I got out and started practicing law, I was working in wills and probate and I realized I was helping people, but it didn't feel like I was helping people because I would see people in some of the toughest situations, whether it was fighting with family members over somebody who had just passed and trying to get their money and doing shady things and navigating that. And I just thought like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing um, or not in, like in this capacity. So, you know, keep a long story short, I have had a, a plethora of other jobs along the way trying to figure out exactly what that is. But the, I say like the key point for me was starting to really work on myself and doing deep personal development work. And that started when I was about 25 and any course that somebody would recommend or books or whatever, that's when I was doing this search of like, there's gotta be more to life than this. Like, I don't, mm. I don't think you just come here, you work, you come home and watch TV and you do this until you retire and that's it. So I've been looking for that for a long time. And so, you know, through the course of all this, I've also worked with a Peruvian shaman and um, I just started to feel like I just had information about things that I didn't totally understand. And sometimes I would just ask people like, Hey, I feel like, I mean, this was, I would certainly get their permission first and be like, Hey, may I ask something and then share this? And they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's right. So then there was one point when I went to the Peruvian shaman and I was like, I think I might be a medium. And he, mm. he was like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, um, but it was really that I had a fear of it. And so I wasn't allowing it in because I was afraid, what if I get information I don't want? Or, you know, what do you even do with this? So, um, so yeah, now it comes full circle, right? I joke that like now I'm representing people who have passed. So here I am helping in a capacity just it looks much different than I would have ever thought. Can you explain really quick what representing people, what that means representing loved ones after they've passed, just so people have clarity on that? Sure. So I believe that um, the way the spirit world works is that it's just as important for the spirits who've passed to be, to have messages shared with their loved ones, just as much as people are wanting to hear messages from their loved ones. So sometimes the messages could be something you know somebody wants to hear something from their father but there's somebody else in spirit world who needs to come and make an apology or do something else so um it's just as much about people who are in the living getting those messages from people who have passed on too so that's why i feel like i represent you know the spirits as well now it sounds like so much of your life has really been guided or driven by you really leaning into intuition into in the sense of you know having a a thought a feeling i don't want to put words into your mouth so i'll let you clarify but really allowing something to guide you i mean to go from when i hear someone say i start personal development at 25 but to kind of trust in that process so much because personal development can be such a 
it, it's a bottomless pit. It really can be. I mean, once you dive in, there's it's the rabbit hole from Alice in Wonderland where it can keep going and going and going. And some of it's really incredible, and some of it can, we'll just say, maybe isn't quite so incredible. And to allow yourself to be, it sounds like, be guided by outside input, but then also a trust in, because I'm assuming if there was one that you heard about and you didn't feel right, you would, you, you were leaning into what felt so. Can you talk to us a little bit maybe about intuition and how that guides you? Yeah, I, I, gosh, you know, I've, again, not thought much about how it's um, transformed my life around the way on the, through the, like through the process. But, um, you know, I guess some of it was just reading, like if I were to read a book and be like, all right, I could see how this is possible, you know, and, and then put some of the practices in to practice and see what would happen. And like, oh, wow, that did work. Okay, there must be something here. Um, and there were certainly some flops, you know, I mean, I got a list of things that worked and a list of things that didn't work and maybe some things that would have worked if I would have kept with it. Um, and I would also trust the process. Like if I heard somebody mention a book a couple times and I'd be like, Oh, maybe I need to check that book out or, um, Hey, I'm going to this thing. Do you want to come? Okay. Sounds interesting. I'll go, you know, or hear some, again, like people mention something a couple times in one week, something I'd never heard of. I would be like, Oh, that's it. So I think that what I also look for is like the nuggets or the little things that are subtleties that like get your attention. Like, okay, if I've seen that thing a couple times, like maybe there's a reason for that. And I think I go with like at a curious, like a, I have a curious mind. Like, all right, well, let me, let me look into this and see um, what could come from here. But certainly as I've been, you know, within the last couple of years, I have been better able to understand intuition and really listening for that and the guidance and it's also deciphering, like, is that our own voice, like, that's making something up, or is that intuition, right? So that's been, like, a practice and still is very much a practice. And I think that that's where um, people get a little bit confused. It's like, oh, that's just my mind making stuff up. Well, imagination and intuition are both on the same side of the brain. So sometimes it can be that easy that you think you're making things up, but it's actually your intuition. So it's once I heard actually that, mm. that I started to go, oh, so I haven't been making all this stuff up or like, I really should. That's why I've been listening to it or not listening to it. How do you, how do you, how do you discern that? How do you separate intuition from imagination or intuition from the voice in your head that's just making stuff up? Well, I wish I had a really good answer for that one. Uh, I'm still working on that. Um, sometimes it's about the feeling, right? Like I think that if, um, I don't know, sometimes things feel like if it's like scary or it's hard to discern. Like sometimes, yes, things can feel scary and it's part of your intuition, but it's like scared because you know it's the thing you're supposed to do, right? Like it's scary because that could mean you're going to have to create a lot of change in your life versus like just fear of like something trying to attack or, or, you know, telling you that you're a horrible person and all of that. Like, that's not your intuition. Your intuition wants what's like in your highest and greatest good. So um, to the extent, does that, does that make sense? Like, the yeah, it totally does. And I think that highest and greatest good thing is important to note. I've often found too, like I've, I've only struggled with explaining it, but I've like you, I, I've come to notice it as more of a feeling than a thought it's like a thought, but there's a very distinct feeling that comes with it. And it's, I, <clears throat> the, the one story that I've used consistently to explain intuition is this, is I was in Las Vegas several years ago and I enjoy playing poker. I'm not like world series of poker bound yet by any means, but it's definitely on my bucket list. And I sat down to play and I told myself, 
I, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. All that matters is if I just trust my gut. And I sat there and played for like an hour. And then I got into a pot that was a really large pot. And normally when somebody would bet the way they were betting, I would get fearful. My scarcity mindset would kick in. The fear of losing would kick in. And with poker, there's, there's always you're managing risk reward, right? There's, there's inevitably that's part of the gambling, but also you can play psychology, math, all those types of things. But anyways, I, I heard that voice screaming, get out, get out, get out, because that's the fear scarcity voice that I've wrestled with my whole life. But then I felt as this other voice came up and there was just such a, like a feeling of almost certainty, like familiarity. It was the weird thing. I don't want to say it was confidence, but it was like, it was like confidence, but an unfamiliar confidence, you, you know, and, mm, and totally. it was, and there was this voice saying, you already know what they have and you know, you have the best hand right now. And there was, there was three, four other people in the pot. I was over here and I, so I, I played other person played, played, played. I knew they had. So then I bet anyways, I ended up winning the pot. It was a, it was a really good sized pot. And what was really cool about it is when everybody turned their cards over, I was almost dead on with what they had. And now I understand that I'm gathering information the whole time unconsciously, right? Gathering information with them, but it's that, construction of that that I think allowed me to have this intuitive experience where it was this it was really this sense of confidence but it was like an unfamiliar confidence it's not confidence in like if I drink out of this water bottle I'm, I know what water is going to taste like I know what the texture is going to be so there's a familiarity with it whereas there was a similar confidence but it wasn't familiar if that makes any sense or maybe we're just confusing everybody who as we try, <laughs> try to <laughs> diagnose no, it well that, so i but no I, you know i think that that's what a lot of it is is that people it's very confusing right so it's kind of wanting to also the intention of trying to figure it out and it probably feels different for everyone and and so i also think that it's like you know when it is intuition like it's a knowingness i feel like but it can certainly take some discernment to figure out and um you know and, and also it's like when you can kind of quiet your mind and have that feeling but um yeah i mean i'm certainly no expert on intuition at all right I, I'm, I'm learning how to work with it myself i certainly am afraid of it at times sometimes i know i know things and other times i don't know if i know things so it's a it's a it's to me it feels like meditation and that it's a practice to really learn to understand it and the more you work with it the better the better i you can understand it right I appreciate you acknowledging that, that you're still figuring out and that's, there's still, the, you have that wrestling match of, do I really know this or do I think I know this? I'm wondering, how do you find the, the courage, the strength, the, the will, whatever that word is, to persevere in that exploration? Because I think, I feel like that's the, that's the crossroads a lot of folks will come to, right? Is there's that feeling, they're wrestling with that intuitive feeling, they're trying to discern is this imagination? Is this just another one of those voices? There's that feeling that they're, they're, they're like us. They're struggling to give language to that feeling. And they are, because it's scary to lean into an unknown, right? It can be really scary to, to dip your toes into the unfamiliarity, to travel down that path you haven't traveled before. So how do you find that, that courage, that strength, that resilience, that, that ongoing commitment to continue to explore? 
Well, I will say in a lot of my life, sometimes I've been in scenarios where I'm like, well, even if I follow this, it's got to be better than what I'm dealing with right now. Mm. <laughs> you know, so some of it's been motivated by like, hey, I don't like where I'm at and I need to change it. So I'm willing to take a shot that this is the way to go. You know, and so um, I guess a lot of it has been what people would say, like risky decisions. You know, I've up and quit perfectly fine jobs because I just felt like I was going to get fired the next day. I don't know if I was going to or not, but I had a bad feeling. So I left, you know, and wow. um, really? yeah, so I, yeah, I make, I make decisions that most people probably would not make with like a premeditated plan. And I had no plan. I just knew I couldn't stay there. <laughs> and that's how I've done a lot of, um, people might call it like very irrational. I'm sure my mother would agree, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not one to continue to be in a painful situation for like, for no apparent reason, you know, I'm like, all right. So not having a job might be a problem in a struggle, but I at least know I won't be crying on my way to work every day, you know? <laughs> really? That's so you're, 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 you're consciously weighing that out in that even though this unknown might be scary and unknown, it's gotta be better than what is at present. Yeah. I mean, on, on some level, I suppose I could have talked myself into continuing in, you know, a job that I just couldn't stand and felt, you know, belittled and all kinds of things. Right. But to me, that wasn't worth it. I mean, I would rather be mm -hmm. trying, but you know, I would rather be figuring out how to make money in some odd way and put that together than continue to be like beaten up at work. Um, so I think, you know, and, and I think that's why a lot of people will stay in a job because it's the devil they know versus the devil they don't know. Well, trust me, sometimes it's worth being like, you know what, I'm willing to go meet that other one. And maybe this happens to be an angel. I've just been disguising it as something else. It, it sounds like you, you, you've been really great about being, I feel like a lot of us, we, 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 we survive through life by telling ourselves micro lies. Uh, that allow us to tolerate certain things, whether it's a relationship, a job, uh, uh, our health, our finances, whatever it is, we tell ourselves micro lies to allow ourselves to carry on and get through the next day. And what I'm hearing from you, it's almost like you have these really critical moments of decision and you're able to really be really real and honest with yourself. Uh, have you, have you always been that way? Has it something you've been in childhood? Is it something that you developed along the way? Um, gosh, I know my mom always said I was a really good problem solver when I was young. So mm -hmm. I think that I, I guess on some level, like I inherently know I'll be able to solve the problem, whatever that may be. Like you have no money. Okay. Now what? Or like you don't have a job now what? So, um, and I also trust that like, I'll be able to figure it out. And so maybe that comes from, um, you know, I, I am grateful for my education and know that I can. I can find, you know, in a scenario like, okay, I can find a job on some level, but I just trust that I'm able to. And I've never, again, never really thought about this, but that probably has to do with like the intuitive piece is like trusting that I'll be provided for. And, you know, it's not like when I quit a job, I'm laying on the couch hoping somebody's going to come knock on my door. Like that's not happening. <laughs> um, I'm putting pieces into action, you know, and I'm also like, all right, if this wasn't the job for me or this wasn't the scenario for me, then like, what is and what can I start, even if it's baby steps, it's not, you know, it, I think it's just taking a little bit of action with the intention also of getting clear on like, okay, that job showed me a whole bunch of things I do not want. So the next one better have X, Y, and Z hmm. and going from there. Chris, I'm, I'm so, 
utterly fascinated by this and I have a thousand questions I want to ask you. And so I'm trying to find which ones are going to be the ones that keep us on a thread before I jump all over the place. <laughs> when you're, when you're, so you make that decision and I love that you're looking at it as, because there's a couple of things here that I think it's really important for people to hear that you're making these decisions, not just on necessarily in what you want, but recognizing that what you have is not what you want. And that while the future may seem scary, it is nowhere near as terrifying as continuing to exist in that reality. And the second thing I love that, I, and I want to hear people, want people to hear this, is it sounds like that when you're making these decisions, you're taking inventory. And even if you may not be clear on what you want, you can use what you've just learned from the previous experience and start to explore opposites. I had this there and I did not like that. So what would be the other side of it? And I think that's really helpful for folks because sometimes when we're making transitions in life, whether it's professionally, personally, it can get a little murky because we have emotions. We have, we have moms that think they know best for us that are piping into our ear or whatever that is. And that it's just to note that there's strategies that we can use to start to kind of tread through that murkiness and get clarity. What I'm really, really curious on with this is so when you're, when you're making this decision, you're trusting in, okay, you don't want this. And so whatever is out there has to be better. And then I love that you're saying, so you're not just laying on the couch waiting for opportunity to walk through the door. You're taking action around this. When you're taking those actions, whatever actions you're taking, do you feel or have you felt in the past that in any way you were being guided by the choice of actions you're taking? And I ask that because I, I, one of my theories with life is that we all have this purpose and that part of our game of life is about how is, is really stepping into and embracing the purpose that we were put on this earth and then, and realizing that best highest fulfillment of that purpose. And that many of us purpose has always been nearby, maybe like a friend traveling on our shoulder. We just haven't listened to those whispers, leaned into intuition whatever it is. And then those of us who have started to find it, I feel like when we reflect back, we'll look and see that there's these nudges from the universe, God, spirit, whatever it is that was trying to push us on this path before, but we just didn't see it because we were so blinded and deaf because of the, the loudness of some of those voices in there. So I, I'm just really curious if you observed that at all during that time. Yeah. So I, and I should make the distinction of something that I learned later. Like I always thought like I had to be in full fledged action, like insane action. Right. And, and then I would also be like, wow, that produced like no results. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and I have a, you know, I have an example that I'm not proud of sharing, but I will share. Like I literally had applied to like over two, 200 jobs and maybe got like one or two interviews for companies. Like there was no chance I was going to work for them, like totally out of alignment. Um, so you know, that's a little defeating. Um, and um, then one day, like I was in, and I think it's about like being in like a good state, right? Like if you're coming from fear and scarcity and all of that, like it's much, much harder to navigate like the feeling of being in the right like vibration and attracting the things that you want. So one day I was in meditation and I literally heard like, apply at Lululemon. And I'm like, Lululemon, like an hourly retail job. Like, I'm an attorney, but okay, I'm open. Then I go to yoga that day and the, the instructor was like decked out in Lululemon, which doesn't normally happen. And I'm like, oh my God, so much Lululemon, right? So then I was like, all right, I'm going to go check this out. So I, after yoga, I literally drove to the Lululemon store in my neighborhood and 
said, any chance that you guys are hiring like part-time or whatever? And they were like, oh, well, yeah, here, fill out this information, whatever. And I had like, I had applied and all, they got back to me right away, like right away. And I was like, okay, so here I am a seasonal sales associate at Lululemon for a Christmas holiday. And I then later was like, I have no idea why I'm here, but um, okay. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And what came out of that Lululemon experience was unbelievable because it was when I was starting to just first start with mediumship. So while I'm in the store working, I would start using my intuition. People would be like coming up and be like, do you know where this is? Like, I have no idea how to navigate my way through the store. And I would be like, yeah. And then I would walk over and be like, right here. And, and then I would like try to just use intuition with the employees and they were really fun. Like they let me practice my mediumship in there. Um, I met people with like, I'd been wanting to take horseback riding lessons. Somebody showed up and his wife is a horseback riding instructor. And, but what this did as far as a job goes is that I became satisfied with where I was as not in the sense of like, I'm never going to be anything more than an hourly employee. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, I liked my job. I liked the people. I had fun there. Um, and then that's when a job came from nowhere, like recruiter calls me up, perfect job for me. And, um, and it had been a list of things that I had written that I had wanted, you know, a job with unlimited vacation, things that like, you don't even know that they have. And it's because I became satisfied with like, all right, this is nice for now. Right. And, and so then an opportunity came, but it's cause I was willing to take an action that like a lot of people wouldn't want to take. Like, I'm not going to go work an hourly retail job. But it's been one of the best jobs I've ever had. I think that's such a beautiful life lesson too. It's it's often when we're in these times of transition, it, I feel like we think that we just have to make transition suffering. And versus what if we made transition about making the time to have fun and explore that part of ourselves that we might not normally get to explore. And it sounds like what this supported you was was one it, it became something really fun but two it afforded you this opportunity to nurture parts of yourself that you hadn't been able to nurture before horseback riding these kinds of things and and three it gave you a a really incredible opportunity to have access to people that would be open to open and vulnerable enough to exploring the mediumship piece and allowing you to be you know in a safe and loving supportive place to start to practice and get some confidence and and skill set under you for it. Yeah, totally. And I would never have thought that. And that has also given me the confidence in moving forward in other environments where, um, like with the job that showed up, I absolutely told them I was a medium and I've shown up way more authentically in that job. And the results I'm getting are like incredible because I'm mm. showing up more as authentically who I am. And Lululemon gave me the experience of what that can look like. And now, you know, like back in a, corporate startup environment where I would never have shown up that way had I not had the Lululemon experience. Kristen, before I ask my final question, tell people a little bit about your mediumship practice and where people can find you online. Okay, sure. So uh, right now I do private mediumship readings and I also incorporate like advising sessions. So a lot of times when I give a reading, I know it can be a lot of information and sometimes it's so much people don't know how to put it into action and to implement it. So I really pride myself on having um, a program where people, we work with the messages and what the messages are and how to implement that into your own life in order to reach the goals. Um, so for example, I helped a woman the other day with, she was kind of stuck in her career, you know, been very successful, but was a little bit stuck. I did a reading for her and then 
you know, when I had the follow-up, she was like, this, she goes, I'm having, this is like during COVID time, I'm having the best year I've ever had since 2004 because of the information you gave me. Mm. So that blew my mind. <laughs> um, but it is really helping people have those messages and helping them with the implementation. So I do coaching like that. And um, I also offer group readings. So if there's, you know, if people want to have a group of friends together and we call, you know, it's like having a greeting, not a full reading where I can bring um, spirits through for a group of people. I do that as well. And um, there is a link on if you want to set up a call with me to learn more about what I do and if it's a fit for you as well. Cool. Chris, one of my, the kind of my trust in this whole series is that the people who need to see and hear will be watching and listening at this exact time. And I love to give people, listeners and viewers, when appropriate, actionables they can take away. And this just came to me, so I'm going to throw it out to you. I feel like right now that whoever's watching and listening is they've really there's been an aha and insight, something that's come up for them and hearing you share. And they are at that point of some sort of transition where they're really wanting to listen and lean into this voice, this whisper that's been along and familiar for so long, but they've often been frozen by fear or uncertain of it, or they have the well-intentioned mom's voice, whoever it is that's often steered them away from it. But they're, they're in this exploratory time of wanting to embrace it, but they're not sure how. So my question to you is this, for somebody who's listening and watching right now, and they're wanting to lean into whether that's a, an intuitive feeling, the guided voice, what would you suggest to them or what can they do right now that will help them lean into it with more certainty in that, that that path is the path that they've actually been to travel. You and I were talking beforehand that it's actually, that is really their yellow brick road that they've been meant to go on. It's just been covered with dirt and twigs because it's been avoided for so long. You know, I would say taking like small steps towards that direction, right? Whatever that may look like. And I know that that seems kind of like, well, what does that even mean? But it's, you know, um, I'll use an example from my life. Like, I've been needing to get, I wanted to move, I needed to move. And I just started to take like small steps in like just looking at different places. And then ultimately things started to speed up where moving actually became a reality. And at first there were a multitude of reasons why it wouldn't be a reality. But then because I started taking those action steps and investigating and also like acting as if it's already happened too, mm -hmm. you know, like being in that, like seeing it for like the future state of what it is. Um, and that all sounds a little woo and it does to me too. So I apologize if that, you know, if that doesn't make total sense, the, but I would say it's the small action steps. And the other thing that's also really been powerful for me along the way is finding like guidance and mentors and people to work with. And I'm not saying that like for people to work with me, but for people, I mean, yes, that's great. But also there's plenty of people, whether that's a friend who's been there or, someone that you look up to, like asking for support in this area um, to give guidance. And sometimes I, it is better to come from someone who you haven't, who isn't close to your situation because they have a perspective on what they think you should or shouldn't do. So sometimes getting that outside perspective from somebody that you trust can, can help move you in the right step as well. I love that. Everyone, when we, we, when re, we rewatch, if I could talk and re-listen to this one, 
I want to extend an invitation to you. And that invitation is to rewatch and re-listen with that 10,000 foot perspective. And the reason I invite you to do that is just notice if you, as you start to listen and rewatch and have that perspective, you start to see times in your life where you may have been guided, where maybe whether it was training for a marathon or leaning into different career paths or whatever that was for you, that there was some sort of force outside of you that was guiding you, hinting, suggesting all along. Kristen took us on an incredible journey, starting with her, her marathon through training in the winter of Ohio to running in the heat and the humidity of Hawaii. And I think in what I heard from that is it was one of the times where it really started to open up her trusting and leaning into something more. You know, it was a beautiful way to honor her father, but it being aware then of her father's presence, having that really, I don't know if you would call it a divine moment where she thought, wow, I could go back to my car, but then listening and hearing her dad and being able to be grateful for her ability to move at a time when her dad had not been and having that memory so permanently etched into her soul was something that guided her through that whole experience. To be able to find the courage to do the things that seem counterproductive, counterintuitive, maybe even downright crazy at times, to leave a job that is no longer serving, to, to quit because you have a feeling that you're going to and realizing that no matter what's in front of you, while it may feel scary, it's not nearly as scary as the notion of staying and remaining and doing something that doesn't fulfill you, doesn't light you up, is, is, is a drain on you. My goodness, can so many of us learn from that right now, especially at a time where you have to forgive me if you're watching this and listening as an international audience. But the United States, it's routinely reported that the United, average American worker, 60, 80% of them strongly dislike or hate the work they do, hate the work they do, which means how many of us could benefit from leaning into that inner guidance that Kristen has done and walking away from the things that we don't love and, and really search what's going to set our soul on fire. Now, you may not be quite as ready as Kristen is to, to lean boldly away and go into the unknown like that, but what she was saying at the end is a very powerful place to begin. What are those little steps for you? What could be those little action steps that you begin to explore and look? And, and what is those little action steps that you could take daily? Is it something that you could start looking into, looking into recruiters, finding, applying, redoing your resume? I love the, in the time of transition, in doing the Lululemon job and what that afforded, you know, how, how many of us could look into something that may seem completely out of nowhere for us. That might seem something like it might be so beneath us. And yet we might find some of the greatest and most important gifts and life lessons from that. Right. Leaning into that. I think there's just this common theme throughout this. I keep saying leaning in, leaning in, leaning in. And at the time of this recording, it's August 11th, 2020, you know, the world as we knew it has changed quite dramatically this year. And if anything, we should, we should, I think it's an opportunity for us all to embrace that what we thought was certain may not be certain. And if that's the truth, then perhaps, just perhaps, those silent whispers, those voice, whether it's guidance from God, spirit, universe, whatever it is you believe or don't believe, maybe this might just be the, the nudge you need to start leaning into you a little bit more. Trusting in that process and, and, and following in whatever journey life has for you. Kristen, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so very much for being here. I appreciate you. And it is, it is incredibly inspiring to be a witness to what you're doing and how you're leaning into the path that's unfolding for you. No, well, I thank you for the opportunity and um, letting me share um, a lot of these stories I've not actually publicly shared. So um, thanks for creating the space to do so. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for listening. If you are finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts.